Hey families, your sister Jocelyn here, and welcome to another episode of Faith on the Journey. Today's broadcast is actually a throwback show from a couple years ago when I was first getting started. When I first began my show, I actually only released it on YouTube, and there was a couple episodes that were really good that got lost in the archives. And so I wanted to release this episode for my podcast audience to enjoy. So I hope you get as much out of this episode as I did. Now let's get started with the show. Welcome to Conversations with Jocelyn. And I am so excited because we are launching a new series called Writing a New Narrative. And I've been working extremely hard on this because I feel like the content that we're going to be covering tonight is very important to your walk and it's very important to your healing process. And if you are a part of this community, you actually received an email that's going to help you with this process. I actually sent out a workbook and there's a section in there for you to take notes because you're going to want to take notes this evening. But don't worry if you're not a part of the community yet. I'll let you know at the end how you can become a part of the community. And also I'll let you know where you can get a copy of that free workbook. You're definitely going to want to grab at least a sheet of paper and a pen to take notes. And you also want to have your Bible available tonight and, you know, use of Bible you have will work just fine for this. Also, this is one of those things where you don't want to just keep all this information to yourself. So if there's someone who you love, who you think can benefit from this message, please share it with them. You can tag them in this post to make sure that we get this message out there. Again, share it, make sure that this message gets out there to people because we want people to know how to write a new narrative. So writing a new narrative, why did I call it this? Well, um, because we all have a narrative. You know, we don't realize we have it playing and how it affects our lives, but our narrative is the lens in which we view the world, the lens in which we interpret things. You can look at it like a filter in which we see and interpret our lives based on our beliefs, our culture, our thoughts, and the different experiences that we've had. And these beliefs are really shaped and formed in our childhood. So when we look at ages zero to 12, this is a formative stage in our life. And during this period, we're being molded. We're beginning to shape our values. When I talk about values, I often refer to them as the treasures of our heart. What are those things that we really treasure and what we really desire? So that's shaped in our childhood. Our thoughts, those are some things that how we think and process information that's shaped in our childhood as well in terms of, you know, just how we view the world. Our identity, who we believe we are, is often shaped in those formative years. And our beliefs of our personal convictions, what we come to believe is tr as truth, is shaped in those younger years of our lives. And so our childhood can shape a lot of things in how we view our narrative. Depending on how our childhood experience was, it can lead us in certain directions in terms of our interpretive lens. So think about if we had a tape recorder that was recording every experience that we had in childhood, and it was just following us around. And I know for those who are younger, like tape recorder, really? But no, just go with me. There was a tape recorder <laughs> that was following us around in childhood, just capturing everything that we were experiencing, whether it was experiences with our parents, losses, fun events, everything. It was just taking it all in. And then imagine that tape recorder then is playing those experiences back as background noise in our mind. 
that in essence is the filter in which we are viewing things in our lives. We have a narrative that's playing in the background that's influencing us. And depending on what those experiences were like, if we had moments in our lives that we had lost or felt rejected, if we had moments in our lives where we were struggling with a lot of pain, that could shape our filter in which we're, we're viewing life. That can shape our narrative. But we didn't have to have traumatic experiences in childhood to have our narrative shaped um, in a way that needs correction. Because let's be honest, none of us had a perfect childhood. We live in a world too that there's a lot of counter narratives going on that are counter to the word of God. And so none of us are beyond uh, having a narrative that needs some adjustment. And I'll use myself as an example. I remember growing up when I was a little girl, I attended a Catholic grade school and I was one of the you African-Americans there or minorities in general. I can count the minorities on my, my hand. And because of that, I always felt like I didn't quite belong. I was very uncomfortable, if you will, was just trying to fit in. I would look at some of the girls who I would try to play with and just looking at their hair and, and just seeing like, okay, their hair is all straight and, and blonde and, and wavy and my hair is coarse and thick. And, and when I tell you my hair was thick as a child, my mom struggled to get a comb through my hair. And when we would go swimming, I see, you know, some of the, the, the white girls who were in my grade school, they would jump in the pool and uh, their hair would just be all flowing and my hair would just like, oh my gosh, my mom would have to get the hot comb out and all that stuff. And I just didn't like my hair. I'm like, why is my hair like, like this? Had some struggles. You know, we know how that is. Uh, and then just even looking at the fact that I had some curves, I had, you know, some hips. And looking at some of the other girls who were in my class, I was struggling with body image. And, and at one point, I remember, and this is when I was really young, one of the girls was asking me, like, why are you throwing your food away? And it was because I was trying to keep my, my weight down. I was struggling with my, my weight because I was trying to fit in. And so at an early age, I was desiring to belong. Now, what was happening in little Jocelyn's head? Let's let's just kind of think about what was going going on in there. Well, a couple of things I had mentioned earlier. I talked about the importance of values, right? Values again are the treasures of our heart. And for little Jocelyn, one of the things that she valued was being liked and being accepted. That's what she was seeking. And sometimes when we have these treasures, then we can do everything in our power to try to attain those things, even if it's at our own demise. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. Little Jocelyn also believed that her natural hair patterns wasn't good. She, she had bad hair. And so comparing to other people, she was dealing with self-esteem issues. She felt she also had to show up in the world a certain way. This is the narrative. This is the belief that was going on in little Jocelyn's mind in order to be accepted. And she felt like she needed to be dang near perfect to belong. So these are beliefs that she adopted at an early age because of some of the experiences that she was dealing with. I've heard many narratives from people who have been adopted, who have had a parent leave. And there might be a belief that I don't have anyone who loves, I'm not worthy of love. 
or I have to, they decided to leave because of me, because of something I did wrong. That could be a narrative that they adopted about themselves. And people have these beliefs at an early age that they hold on to and they carry, they carry with them into adulthood. And this is something that we have to realize so that we can say, mm, is, that, is this really true? Or is this something that based on my experience and my perception at the time, I interpreted it this way? One category of beliefs that is extremely dangerous for us to, to hold on to is absolutes, I call them, or limited beliefs. And these are things when we say this always happens to me or this never works out. These words that are absolutes, like bad things always happen to me or this group of people are always like this or nothing ever goes right for me or I always get the short end of the stick or men or women can't be trusted. Like I, I've heard my sisters in conversations before say, all men are dogs, sisters are mad over here. And it's using all and always and all these, these words that are absolutes. These are narratives that have been shaped. And oftentimes these narratives are formed by bad experiences that we might've had, hurtful experiences, and they're a result of our hurt. And these are dangerous. And I, I'm hoping that you can see why these absolutes are dangerous because they're limited beliefs and they are causing us to see our current situation and the potential for the future through the lens of the past, which is shaded by dark and painful experiences. And so we have to be careful when it comes to that. Assumptions are always dangerous. And the other piece about this that's dangerous for us is that when we have limited beliefs, we can oftentimes try to make things fit into the narrative that we already believe. So even if this is not the case, even if this person is a kind-hearted individual, say, for instance, you want to get in a relationship with someone and they make a mistake or they forget to call you. We can, because we have a narrative already of rejection, hypothetically playing in our mind, we can just automatically assume, oh, see, he's out here cheating or she out here doing this or they out here doing whatever, trying to fit them into the narrative that we already have running in our minds. And that, again, is a result of some unresolved issues that we haven't dealt with. So we have to be careful to say, what is really the narrative that I have told myself? And what is this based on? Because these narratives also are replayed over and over again in our minds through our thoughts. So remember, I talked about earlier today, the meditations of our heart and, and looking at the example of little Jocelyn, one of the meditations of my heart is I have to perform to be accepted. That's in the back of my mind saying, OK, I have to do this. I have to put on this way. A child who's been disappointed by a, a parent or a, a, a circumstance or whatever can can feel like a narrative could be. I can't count on anyone else for support. I have to carry my burdens by myself. That can be a belief or a thought when things happen that says, I can't trust people to do anything for me. I know that we all have some narratives that need adjustment. Um, when it comes to rejection, someone who has been rejected, they can say, I can't let people get close to me because they might just leave or they might hurt me again. Again, a narrative that someone might have held on to that can be holding them back in life. And all these narratives, all these thoughts generate an emotional response. 
these emotional responses oftentimes can be, in some cases, paralyzing if you have a narrative that is unhealthy, that keeps running through your mind. So again, going back to that person who I'm, I'm describing who might be struggling with a narrative of rejection, hypothetically, they can have an emotional response of fear. Anytime they get into a relationship or anytime someone gets close to them, they can fear this person then leaving them or walking away. And as a result, they can respond in a way where they self-sabotage. And we're going to get into that in a second. For me, as a child, feeling like I have to perform to be accepted, I can deal with all types of anxiety and fear in reference to performing, feeling like I'm not good enough. So these are emotional responses that we can feel as a result of carrying these narratives that aren't of God. And when we think about this, this is all connected because these beliefs, if they are continue to be watered by these thoughts that we meditate on in our mind, eventually they will take root. They will develop some deep roots and they will eventually turn into some bad fruit, some fruit that we do not want. And we won't even understand where it's coming from. And that fruit is our behavior. There are times and there's some things that we do sometimes that we're just like, I don't even understand why I'm doing this. I don't understand why I'm so sensitive in this area, why I can't seem to hold on to a relationship, why this always happens. But you heard me say previously, bitter roots produces bitter fruits. And that's exactly what happens when we have some roots, some deep narratives that are unhealthy in our lives, then that will produce bitter fruit. We'll find ourselves doing certain things that we don't even understand or desire, but we've, we haven't really been able to pinpoint where it's coming from. And oftentimes it's coming from the narrative that we have told ourselves. For my instance, for, for my experience when I was having and still struggling with perfectionism and performing and, and people pleasing to belong. Yes, there can be some positive uh, results that come from that. Like I successful, driven, I'm always, you know, out overachieving, but the negative consequences of that can be the people pleasing. I was telling you about putting people before me, um, putting people above what God thinks about me, me over here, like silencing my voice and failing to speak up when I need to. These are all things that can take place. Choosing bad relationships just to feel like I belong. So there are certain things that we do as a result of our deeply rooted narratives that are unhealthy for us. You might find yourself, if you're struggling with rejection or hurt from the past or an unhealthy narrative, self-sabotaging relationships. You could be running from relationships that whenever someone gets close to you, you could be guarded and not letting anybody in. There are some people who are frankly just mean and bitter. And that's because they have been hurt and they have some roots that have not been addressed. And so they can come out as judgmental and defensive. And again, they might not even realize where that's coming from, but it's because they, they have a narrative. And here's, here's the thing that I've learned that's really sad. And a lot of people are deceived when it comes to this. They believe that their behavior in which they are acting out of their hurt, they believe that that's actually their personality or at least they say, that's just how I am. 
So someone who is nasty or smart mouth or talking back people, they saying, oh, well, I can't help myself. That's just me. And the devil is a lie. That's not just you. That's a narrative that you told yourself. And that's an excuse because you have been hurt and you have not dealt with the things from your past. That's a narrative that you might have told yourself, but you you might fool other people to believe that's just you. You have not fooled God when it comes to that. And that's something that we have to understand that sometimes we confuse our personality. We think that something's our personality when it's not. It's just the narrative that we told ourselves. And that's something that we need to explore to see what is really going on here. Those are things that we have to, to look at from a natural standpoint. But here's, here's the thing that I've learned. We can deal with some things from like a psychology lens. We can look at things from a practical standpoint, but that will only take you so far because there are some things that are happening in our lives on a spiritual level and we might not see it we might not even believe it but if even if you don't believe it it does not mean it's not true okay and it's it's happening and i want us to go to ephesians 6 10 through 17 if you have your bible and this is a, a common scripture but i want to teach from this uh, because this is going to be foundational for the rest of our time in the series it says finally be strong in the Lord and mighty in his power. How do we do that? You might ask. Well, I'm going to tell you. It says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And that's the thing. The devil is constantly scheming against you. And so we have to be aware that he's plotting on how he can distract us, how he can take us out. We know he's on a personal mission to steal, kill, and destroy. And so he's scheming against you. And so we have to be prepared for that. And it says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. What that really is saying is we ain't fighting just your brother or your sister or your spouse who's acting crazy. We're not just fighting your kid who all of a sudden got a smart mouth and acting out of control. We're not just fighting that person who you can't stand at work. You have to deal with them in the natural, but there's some other forces at play. And if you just try to deal with this stuff in the natural, you're going to struggle and you're going to lose. And if we're trying to write a new narrative, it's something where we have to understand that doing this in our own strength is going to fall flat on our face. We need God to be able to write this new narrative. And we have to also understand that there's two competing narratives that are taking place all the time in the spiritual realm. We have God's narrative, God's word, which is based on truth, which is based on wisdom, which is based on love and compassion. We have God's word and his narrative about who he says we are. And then we have the narrative of Satan. And unfortunately, the narrative of Satan, since he's the prince of the air, is rampant all over the world. Like we, we see this at play in the airways all the time. And so if we're not intentional about seeking what God's narrative says about us, then we're going to be in a place where we are susceptible to his schemes and falling into it. We have to be deeply rooted and understand what God says about us. And looking at Ephesians 6, 13, this is why, this is why we have to do this. We have to put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything you can to stand. And I want to pause right there because I think that's important. And I says, well, didn't you just tell us we put on the full armor of God? I already put on the full armor of God and there's more to do. I think when we think about this, 
yes, there is more to do because there are certain things that we're used to doing when it comes to our spiritual health and our spiritual walk. We might be used to, okay, I pray, which we need to. I go to church. I might do my devotional fast every once in a while. Those things are good. But sometimes when you are going to through new levels of attack, you can't just do the same old thing that you used to do all the time. You can't just say cutesy little prayers or devotionals. You just can't be casual about this thing. The things that you used to do that got you through will not get you through when you got some serious next level attacks going on. I was just talking to um, a friend of mine the other week and we were talking about how there's sometimes when you are elevated in your walk as, as a believer and you're in a whole new weight class of attacks, you just on a whole nother level where the enemy is going to hit you in, in places that you ain't never seen before. So the old way is not going to be enough. And so this is what this is saying. After you've done everything that you've known to do to stay in, have them old things, you're going to have to level up your game. You're going to have to suit up and get ready to go to a new place in your walk so that you can be able to withstand the attacks of the enemy. And it says how we do that. It says, first, we have to stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around our waist. Why does it say belt of truth? Well, belt of truth is needed because we are dealing with Satan, who is the father of lies. I mean, he is the master manipulator. That is deception is what he does best. And if we don't know the truth, if we're not able to see his counterfeit ways, because he knows how to present the counterfeit very well, then we will fall again for his schemes. And we saw how this took place in the garden with Adam and Eve. They heard the word. They literally experienced the spoken word of God. But when Satan asked a question, when Satan questioned and said, did God really say that? Then, then they, they said, hmm, I'm not sure. They weren't able to recognize or stand on the truth of God's word. In essence, they were questioning if God's word was reliable. And that's the thing that many of us struggle with. We struggle with, do we really embrace the truth of God's word as being reliable for our circumstance? We might know it. We might believe it to be true for, for even someone else. But do we believe it to be reliable and true for ourselves? And that's the question that you need to be honest with, because many of us, we struggle with that, including myself. I had a moment not too long ago. I wish I could say this happened to me years ago, but this was after I was good and ordained and doing this work where I was doing research on ways to help people deal with their pain and grief and, and loss. And I was studying around trauma and I was just reading all these different books and it was starting to become overwhelming. I was just searching for all these answers and everybody had a theory. Everybody had something that they suggest that you do. And I was sitting there and I was talking to my girlfriend and finally she said, you know what, Jocelyn, what has happened that caused you be to believe that God's word is not enough? And when she asked that question, I sat there like, uh, let me just take a drink here. You know how you have somebody and they just say something to you and you just sitting there like, I can't say a thing because she hit me in the throat with that because it's true. Something about me believed that God's word wasn't enough. I had to search 
for answers elsewhere when the answers were right there the whole time. And for many of us, this is what's causing us to search. We're searching for answers in men. We're searching for answers in relationships. We're searching for answers and we're searching for other things to make us feel better. Searching for our healing by doing different things to, to, to compensate, to just band-aid the things that we need to deal with. But the answers that we're looking for is in the word of God. And so I'm going to ask that same question to you. What is it that has led you to believe that God's word is not enough, that God's word is not reliable and is not true? Because here's the thing. If we don't understand God's truth and and hold on to it as being the, the living word and being reliable, then what can happen is the same thing that happened to Adam and Eve. We fall into deception and you see how that ended up and how it affected all of us. And that's the scary part because there are people who are deceived and go through their entire lives deceived, believe in this false narrative. And it affects generations because we are not living in silos. We affect each other. We affect our families. We hurt our loved ones when we aren't dealing with our own pain. And so we don't want to allow ourselves to be deceived and we need to be able to recognize the counterfeit, the counterfeit narratives, the counterfeit information in our lives. And it's hard to tell sometimes the counterfeit from the real. And again, Satan is really good with serving you an ice cream sundae with lies, with some sprinkles of truth on top. And so to determine what is counterfeit and what is the truth, we have to really know the truth. That's the only way someone who is able to tell a counterfeit bill, for example, is able to see the difference between the counterfeit and and the real is because they know the real that much. And so we have to be intentional about knowing God's truth so that we can be able to stand against that and be able to call it out, call out his lies and say, no, that's not what God says about me. So in that, we also understand we have to, the next scripture, the line says, we need to have the breastplate of righteousness in place. Now, why do we need the breastplate of righteousness? Well, because we need to guard our hearts. We spent the last month talking about the importance of guarding our hearts from the attacks of Satan because Satan absolutely wants to harden your heart. He knows that that's one thing. If you are, if you get hurt, you start turning bitter, your heart becomes hardened. Then out of that, you cannot you not you can't flow God's love towards other people and you can't receive the love either and you no longer trust and so you it becomes something that slowly takes your power away and so we have to guard our hearts understanding that breastplate of righteousness is important so that's why the, the bible is saying that we need that it says in the next line having your feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace and that's the beautiful thing when we are able to stand in God's word when our feet are fitted in God's word, we have peace in situations where no one else <laughs> could understand how in the world we have peace. That's because our our minds, our, our hearts are fitted with the word of God, which gives us peace. And so it's saying that is something that we can use to stand against the attacks of the enemies. And it also says, take up the shield of faith which can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And oh, when it says all the flaming arrows, flaming is a good way to describe it. I've talked to many of you over this last year, and some of the stuff that you have been dealing with has been nothing less than fire. You have dealt with so much pain, so much loss, 
some of you are questioning how in the world you are even standing right now. And so our faith, your faith is the reason why you are standing. And that's that's what gets us through. So we want to ha- we need our faith to be strong in those seasons to help us see beyond our current situation to understand that things will not always be this way. And then the helmet of salvation to guard our minds. We have to make sure that we protect our minds against certain, certain attacks of the enemies because he's always whispering. And I'm telling you, he's whispering narratives in our ear, whispering narratives saying that you're this, you're that. You won't make it. You won't get through the situation. This person believes this about you. Lies, lies, lies. And the only way in which we can combat those lies, it says that is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So when the enemy whispers things in your ear, you could say, no, I know you say this about me. I know that you say that I'm abandoned, that I'm not loved, but the Lord calls me the apple of his eye. I know that you say that I'm dirty, but I'm cleansed by the blood of the lamb. I know you said this about me. I know that you say I don't belong, but God says I've been adopted as a child of his. Like whatever he's throwing at you, whatever the enemy is throwing at you, you need to know the word and say those are lies and you come at it with the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And these are things that the Lord wants us to do. So we are not sitting here powerless to the lies of Satan. And so these are important concepts that I want us to begin to explore together throughout this series is understanding that we can use God's word. God's word is truth and God's word is power to counter any narrative that is counterfeit that we have adopted in our lives. Too many of us have been believing lies for way too long, for decades. We have believed that we weren't good enough. We believed that we weren't worthy of love. We believed that our past had the ability to control our future. We believed all these things that the enemy tried to tell us about ourselves. And we need to write a new narrative saying that, no, whatever happened, whatever was done, whoever did this, this is not the final story. This might be a piece of the chapter, but there's so much more that is going to be written. And I'm not going to continue to base how I see my life, how I see myself, how I see the world on a narrative that has been based on lies. And this is the work that is in front of us. So that's it for this episode of Faith on the Journey. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, you know what to do. Please leave a five-star review and share this episode with a friend. Also, if you're interested in exploring our Christian counseling resources or participating in a trauma healing group training, please visit our website at faithonthejourney.org. Again, that is faithonthejourney.org. Until next time, family, you stay encouraged and you keep your faith on the journey. I'll see you soon.